Hello, everyone, and welcome to the American Scouser Podcast. We are back after a crazy, stressful weekend. I am your host, Timuchin, from Chicago, as always. With us today is Gally in his usual spot, only a little blurrier in the background. What's going on, Gally? Yeah, I, uh, I wasn't able to hire the cleaning lady, so I used the blur to uh, black out the background. But uh, yeah, after yesterday's stressful last day, I'm just happy that uh, I didn't break anything on the ride home, yell at anything too bad. And honestly, there was nothing here to kick. So it was one of those days. I'll tell you what, Stitch was very confused. I don't know who was more nervous than stressed. But with us always is Bickler, who has, I'd have rather we won. <laughs> he didn't say anonymous. This was actually a post on the Liverpool US fan group. And Bickler, you are the superhero of social media, fighting stupidity and overreactions across the globe. What's happening? Listen, today has been like the Mondayest Monday of all time. And it just, you know, like I can't even, I don't know. I just wanted to go down to the corner store and get a beer. And even the beers fucking look like this. It's like Galley's beer, but like my 12-year-old got a hold of it. It's the weirdest <laughs> thing ever. I mean, I don't like, I just, at that point, I'm like, just give it to me and let me leave the store. So uh, more like an energy drink, uh, which... It right. looks like you can use. So there you right. go. We could all right. use it, I guess, on a Monday. Right. We'll, see, we'll see what happens. This thing could go off the rails, like, relatively, like, you know, a lot earlier than it normally does. Chris Strain says, the predator lives. And, yeah, we're trying to find a more <laughs> politically correct title than the, the no, no, predator isn't. or the predator of the internet. We're, we're trying to like find that. a nickname for me that will allow me to get on school grounds to pick up my kids still, <laughs> like. But we will talk about some of those posts that had us had our heads shaking. I mean, this one was, I thought, one of the gems that you shared. I'd have rather we won, which I think we could all say for the City game. I don't think there's one Liverpool fan was like, I'd rather have we lost or something like that with an even worse grammar. But so let's talk about the weekend game first. We did our ratings with Bickler yesterday and pretty even, I would say, overall with like a couple of grades here on and off. But uh in terms of overall game performance as a Sunday galley, let's start with you. Uh, what did you make of the game? I mean, I was it was a frustrating outcome because I was rooting for a victory and hoping that, you know, we would be top of the table when we all got together talking today. You would um, have rather we won? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, I would have rather we won. Yeah. <laughs> okay. was, I mean, to, to quote the genius that is, well, there's no genius in those groups, I have to be honest. Um, there's one. Come out. There's one. Oh. Oh, there is one. The predator himself just, is there. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, no. One. Yeah, we're just all, ask him. His name. Just ask him. Been a fan since I was three. Um, but you know, there's there's ideas out there. I, we stole a point yesterday. I mean, in all honesty, we we leave there with a point, and at any moment, we could have been down. I mean, we could have gotten to the half. It could have been four to one easily they had so many opportunities we were so poor uh it wasn't even close and and for that it really got me frustrated but maybe the most frustrating part is we still had opportunities to steal all three points even not playing our best playing on the road and playing against one of the best sides in europe and i just feel like there were some uh performances specifically i know we're going to talk about and especially our inability to play out from the back. And it just set us off uh, in a 
a nervy atmosphere and you could almost feel it all the way through the entire side. And, you know, that first 30 minutes, we were just, we, we looked like the side pre-clop, to be honest. We looked like the moment was too big for us. We were kind of looked like chickens with our head cut off. And uh, it was a little disheartening, to be honest. I think you got to kind of give credit to City in that sense, too. I know we were not happy with our performance, but part of that is due to their press and stuff like that. But you say that, but then you kind of look at the second half where we were better at breaking that press. I mean, what do you think was the key there, Bickler? I know when we were doing the ratings, you were saying, especially, um, I mean, starting with Allison from the back, uh, the way we put the ball into play was not in good situations anyway, but the inability to break that press in the beginning. I know it's a combination of, you know, City doing their press well and us not playing our best. But in terms of, if you just look at us, what do you think the key reason was? Well, I mean, I think we stopped giving the ball over in really dangerous spots, first of all. And I think second of all, we started dribbling out of the back instead of trying to pass our way out of it. And that's sometimes what you got to do with that full press is like, absorb the pressure and then where you have the opportunity dribble out and actually pull the ball out of space and then pick a pass and said, sometimes when you're under pressure and they have that full light press like that, you're trying to pass out. But I mean, this isn't the first time city's done this to us. We've played them several times and we've looked like that several times for a city. Uh, and I think, I think it can't be understated what happened in that game. Like, what happened in that match with City, essentially, Pep said it after the game. The frustrating thing for him is, in his in his mind, they were the better team and they weren't able to put the kill shot in first half. And that, I think, is a huge thing because we were able to do something that no team's done this year to City, and that is have them drop points from a winning position. No team has done that at all this year. So, I mean, I think the casual fan will look at this and say that we played poorly, that we deserved more. But I think that, like, considering that first half, it's quite an achievement. Like, in terms of, like, the quality in the, the sheer depth of City, uh, I think it's a pretty – I think it's a, pr a pretty good, a, a good feat. And I think it's tough because when you look at that first 15 minutes of the second half, we were so dominant, we could have gone 2-3 up very easily, just like they could have had us down 2-3 at the first half. It was really a tale of, uh, of both sides of the half looking very different. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, was a, it was a hell of a football match. From, from a, if I was a neutral, I don't think you could ask for anything more. See, I'm glad you kind of brought that up because that was actually part of the trivia that I apparently initially forgot, but you walk right back into it, Bickler. So let's do this trivia first. Um that was the set, and I know they mentioned this during the game, and I have one that got in Liverpool as well. So before yesterday's match, uh, City had won how many games consecutively uh, before actually, like this is the first time, like Bickler says, they actually dropped points after scoring first. They did mention this in the broadcast. Galley, did you catch how many games they had won consecutively? I, I didn't catch it on the broadcast. I was in a pretty packed pub yesterday, which was uh, refreshing in itself to be out with a bunch of supporters. Uh, I, I'm going to guess 18. Pretty decent guess. Bickler, what would you guess at? 
Yeah, I'll go like 20. I'll say it's more than that because they they had a pretty good I mean, almost ended, there. 20 what? Almost there. 26. 20 no, 24. Oh, almost there. 23 actually. Last time they lost after scoring first was actually against Everton on May 18th, 2021. Unfortunately, we can't stake the same claim. And actually, some of the points we lost this season in terms of draws have been after scoring, heck, after being up by two. But we have not lost after scoring the first goal for how many games in a row? Bickler, let's start with you. Oh, God. Uh, we haven't lost after scoring first. Um I'll go something ridiculous. I'll go like uh I'll go 26. Man, Bickler's in form. Uh what do you have, Gally? I'm trying to think what would have been the it's gotta be one of those losses, so we played 32. Where we scored first and lost? Yes. Don't pull a Bickler on me. No, I, I think it's more than that. Such a bad influence, this guy. I, I think it's more than 26. <laughs> it's a classic move to buy time. <laughs> 31. I'm going to say 31. The correct answer is 25. 25 matches in a row without losing after scoring first. Oh. And, yeah, I'm going back to Bickler's point. I thought that's why it was semi-impressive. But, I mean, Pep is right when he says – they could have kind of closed the deal in the first half. Uh, they had the opportunities after 2-1 where we still didn't look like we were awake. And when we got that goal, and whenever we were able to break the press and actually, you know, kind of like settle with the ball on their side of the field, we were dangerous almost every time. But getting there was usually the problem. So let me ask you this then. I mean, obviously, you know... Uh, as Bickler says, he'd have rather we won. But 80th minute, game is going 2-2, Galley. Are you okay with a draw at that point? I mean, while still hoping for a win, obviously. But were you like, you know what? It is what it is. Let's take the draw. It's a point gain for the performance, especially in the first half. Yeah, I was. I, I felt that we were lucky to be in the match at halftime, to be honest. And I think if you had given me at that point this match is going to end up draw probably would take it because the draw keeps us in a title race and a loss would have ended it yesterday. And I just feel like with the way they played and hitting the post that they hit Allison, making the save that he had to come up with early on against Sterling, which let's be honest, it should be one nil. The fact that Barr took a goal off the board by, you know, a foot, you know, once again, it's it. There were still opportunities there, so yeah. At two two, eighty eighth minute, I'm hoping we press on for the winner. But I think I take that draw happily because if the game goes the other way, there it's a much different message we're all having tonight on the spot. So, Bigler, I mean, when you look at the lineup, uh, I know, like you know, we kind of had like everybody almost had like different trios maybe up top. We kind of prefer to see Bobby. I mean, I know I did. And he couldn't, obviously, didn't like practice uh, during the weekend stuff on one of the days. But I think we had that midfield as our ideal midfield, right? Are you happy with how that midfield performed? I know we talked about Fabinho in our ratings video yesterday. 
Uh, but what do you make of Hendo and Thiago in there? Yeah, short answer, no. I mean, short answer, no. I don't think anybody was was particularly good yesterday. Um, I think part of that comes down to just the fact that, like, there were some real problems that were created by by City, and I think part of that comes down to just, like, they started slow and just never felt like they got into it. And, um, man – I, I got to tell you, like, it's going to be nearly impossible to beat City head-to-head if Fabinho is average, okay? Like, in, like, I guess average isn't even fair. I guess below average because I thought he was subpar for most of the match. Uh, I think Fabinho is so key uh, versus that midfield. Uh, if he's not if he's not up for it, I mean, in fairness, Fabinho looked like the guy that had been fasting for three days, like, versus, like, Mane and Mo, who both had exceptional games. Um, it's just going to be tough. It's going to be tough to play them with that strong of a midfield with Fabinho out of it. I thought Henderson did okay. He got a lot of like Henderson got a lot of hate yesterday. I mean, I know he he normally does, but like I thought out, out of the three, I thought Henderson at least had the tempo. I thought at least he was like instructing people positionally and keeping shape and getting the ball in the right places. He sent Jota in very well. I mean, probably should have been two two before half. Um, off Henderson winning a second ball. Um, Thiago did okay. He did some nice things, but like, I mean, he's just, he's got that rash challenge in him. And he, unfortunately, yesterday he had like eight of them in there. And it was very scary at the end to like to, to have him in there just doing that. Um, yeah, no, I wasn't super. I, that's the midfield that you play. That's our strongest midfield. Um, but no, it was not a great performance from them. So does that midfield galley look the way it did mainly due to the top three and how they played or the how the back line played? Because I almost felt like this is a game where we, and I hope this weekend coming in the FA Cup game, we do have Bobby in there. Because I think if Bobby came back to that midfield and helped with that build-up play, it'd be a lot more valuable. That's something you don't get out of Jutta. Yeah, I, I mean, we I think we all called for Bobby to start, and I like to believe he would have. I, I, I didn't understand, like, if Bobby can only give you six, seven minutes, then why is he playing at all? Like, why are you bringing him on in the 83rd minute? Because I just don't see a player of Bobby's ilk getting into a match and really making an impact in six, seven minutes. He seems like a guy who gets on the ball, starts to get the feel for the play, and links play up. So, to me, that didn't make any sense. So I, I just I guess I chalk it up that he must have actually had some type of a knock that kept him from being able to play a more substantial role in this matchup. Because I think free-flowing teams like City, that's where – and Arsenal is another similar one. That's where Bobby's movement helps, pulls the center backs out of position. It shifts players in their midfield. And I just felt like our midfield was stagnant all match long because their midfield was in full control. You know, starting with Kevin De Bruyne, who was clearly the best player on the pitch yesterday. Doesn't mean he's the best player on both teams, but he was the best player on the pitch yesterday. And I thought Bernardo Silva just kept popping up into different areas. And to Paul's point, Rodri did everything we needed Fabinho to do, which was sit in front of the defense and just mop up any mistakes that they made. And, you know, he... He really had a really great game, a quiet great game for Rodri, who's been one of their better players all season long. And I think you see it in their play when they play well. 
And I do think that the way that our defense was shaky at the beginning didn't help the midfield either. Uh, I think that, you know, Fabinho was all over the place. He kind of looked like he was like a, you know, like a deer on, you know, ice skates out there. He just was kind of all over the place and he just didn't seem like he had his footing and he didn't seem like he had a bead for the pace of the game. You know, I read somewhere, you know, maybe he did have a concussion. It's amazing the type of excuses we'll make when a player just doesn't show up and play well. Uh, I just think he had arguably his worst match in two plus years and it came at the absolute worst time. Yeah, I thought, I mean, going back to your Bobby point, I think that was more of a, in an ideal world, I think he maybe does not go in, but the press up top was suffering more and more. And that's, I think that was like the biggest thing between midfield and the top three. Even though you saw Mo and Mane track back actually a lot, especially Mo normal, more than normal and help the defense, I just thought our press on the, our pressure on the ball was not as good as normal. And that energy wasn't there. And when you don't have that with this high line, I mean, it's impossible. I don't care how good your back line is. You're playing against pros. You're against playing like another, you know, a top, top team in the world. They are going to take advantage of that if they have time on the ball. Somebody's going to make a timely run. Uh, Spiky Parker says, just glad City don't have a striker. And But despite that, I think that in some ways makes them tougher to defend because you don't know who's going to make those runs. Is it going to be the whiny face Jesus? Is it going to be the Bruyne who just did it a lot yesterday? Uh, I felt like with the midfield, Thiago, if we do not have the ball, Thiago does is obviously is not as effective because that's his strength being on the ball distribution control the game and stuff when we're kind of like constantly defending and trying to keep our shape he's not there but you kind of alluded to it earlier his tackles bickler and i know it's kind of like a big talking point any anti-lfc fan keeps saying that you know tiago should not have been on the field and it should have been a red am i the only guy because this includes the broadcasters as well. That did not, I, I think, except maybe Dixon, who kind of was onto it, that the foul was not on De Bruyne that was called. The foul was on Rodri, who kind of slightly pushed Thiago, making that tackle worse than it was. Mind you, we know Thiago, that tackle was coming anyway, Bickler, but Rodri's push made it kind of like bailed him out because I think Rodri got that foul, whereas everybody is under the impression that De Bruyne got the foul. You can make that argument. Here's my thing. In the state of English football, don't leave it to the referees to make that decision. Please. Even with VAR, it doesn't, it doesn't fucking matter. Why do that? Like, they're going to get it wrong. Like, they happen to not get it wrong. But, like, most of the time, they're going to get that wrong. And, yeah, and in some ways, those lunges he does, you know, when he just like kind of like takes the ball out of the equation and just grabs the ball, looks nice. But let's face it, that's more – it's not what happens majority of the time. I would say 80% of the time those are fouled and he kind of gets up with that shock look on his face. Like what foul? What are you guys talking about? Kind of thing. But uh, what do you make of that? I mean, is it just positioning or is, I mean, he was just not up to the pace we were playing against. What do you make of that galley? Well, I think that, I mean, it's never been a strong suit, his defensive side of his play. At, at, when he was at Barcelona, when he was at Bayern, when he came to the Premier League, the real questions were whether or not he would be able to 
keep up with the pace and the physicality, right? I think sometimes he wants to show everyone he can handle the physicality by laying a tackle or two, you know, English style on someone. And too often he's five to six seconds late and his eyes are right on time. You know, he pops up and his eyes are on time and the tackle was six seconds late. And, you know, he still never committed a foul. You know, you just need to ask him. But I, I, I think he was a little lucky yesterday. I, I see where you're coming from. And I do think they were calling the foul against Rodri because the way that uh, the way that Michael or the way that uh, Anthony Taylor kind of pointed and he made the gesture to De Bruyne, it was almost like it wasn't on you. It was before you was when he kind of pointed the opposite way. Because I first, when he blew the whistle, thought, oh, no. You know, we're down to 10 here, and it's going to be a squeaky bum last set of minutes here because, you know, that would have been really dicey to go down to 10 men at that point in that match against that time. And for that, and that's what makes me nervous, is there were a few of those tackles in the second half after he had the yellow that almost looked like he just – he wasn't living in the moment. And we talk all the time. We criticize – you know, the crazy Everton players who kept getting sent off. We've criticized some of the players that play against us that, you know, uh, you know, Raul Jimenez and his crazy two yellows and two different matches this year. But that was a very close kind of seeing red, losing your mind in a huge moment. And for that to happen on that stage by a veteran like Thiago is a little bit surprising. That times can be a lot. So I want to do something different. I mean, normally we kind of like approach the next game first, but I want to kind of, for the time being, jump over the Benfica game, go over to the weekend. Bickler, in terms of like after what we've seen this game, how do we change the lineup going to the FA Cup game? And I realize the games before and after will probably play a factor in that, but let's ignore those. Let's just say, you know, don't even count those games in. If it is to kind of take City on, because Sparky Parker says the good news is we couldn't play any worse and City couldn't play any better. Well, I don't know if I agree with the latter part. I do agree with yeah. the first part. Uh, so he says hopeful for Saturday. How do you change that lineup? Do you change the lineup or do you kind of like, you know, trust the lineup you had, but hope I mean, for the performance? Uh, we talked about this a lot. I think, I think Bobby's critical for City. Just because he drops so deep, he's like having an additional midfielder. And he creates a lot more space for Mo and Monty in behind. So I think the only change I make is for Mino if he's 100% fit. Um, that's the only change I could see uh, happening for that match. Other than that, that's your best lineup. I mean, that is your, your strongest 11 going in. And, like, those guys are all world-class. I wouldn't change that lineup outside of Bobby. And that's a tactical, that's a tactical change for me. If Bobby is not available, let's say he's not 100%. Are you still going with the same three, or are you doing what we kind That's of did? Question, think, where you pull money to the middle and Diaz on left? Yeah, great question. I mean, you stole my thunder. That's what I was going to say. I think the only other change you could make is Mane middle, uh, Diaz left, and you can make the uh, a solid argument for that because Diaz is a traditional left winger who enjoys staying wide, um, and that allows you to do that and play that formation. And Mane has been pretty good in the middle when he's played there. How about you? Yali, like, how do you change this lineup? Do you change this lineup, or do you? What do you change? Well, I mean, I wanted Bobby to start from on Sunday because I wanted Jota to come off the bench because 
I think Jota offers exactly what you need off the bench, which is, you know, uh, a player who pops up like a Divac and also gives you the other 20 minutes of hard work that you get when a guy comes on the pitch. And I think he's also like Divac. Also like, yeah, yeah don't be uh, talking smack about Divac. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the guy's never going to put on the uniform again, signed a pre-contract with another team. You'll never see him play again. Um, we won't. And, and by the way, you know, wasn't a big moment for Ox, was it? Up in the crowd. I heard people calling for maybe Ox to get a start in this match or on the weekend. Ox didn't even make the bench, people. Done. Done so. Um, but the, the idea for this match, I do think there's a chance we'll see Keita in the midfield because I don't know that you roll out the exact same 11 and think that anything will be different. And I think our starting lineup on Wednesday will give you a little bit of insight into that. If it's a lineup that has, you know, Milner and Keita and Jones, then I think, you know, you're getting the same front three. If Henderson, Fabinho or Thiago start on Wednesday, I don't believe they will be starting on Saturday as well at lunchtime. I just, I just don't think he's going to play them in that many matches in that short a period of time. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Henderson gets a full match rest tomorrow, but I think you could see Kata in that team. And I think that you will see Bobby starting. If he was fit enough to come on the pitch and give you 10 minutes, I think he's fit enough by next Saturday. So. Sparky Parker says Keita for Henderson. I would be terrified of that if that was a substitution we're doing. It would be especially no. defensively. Yeah. I mean, we were already all over the place. Without Henderson organizing that midfield and the press and our shape, that could I think Henderson and Fab should definitely be there. Uh, because I don't want the only reason for that is I don't want Henderson as a defensive midfielder. So you do have the Fab Fab in there. And you know, I think you know, City had kind of like noticed that they were kind of blocking off Matip's runs. If you notice, when he was trying to push with the ball, they were make, they were forcing him to pass. And that's not really his strength. His strength is more, when he pushes up, his strength is more like with the dribble. I mean, his passing is great. We've seen his assist this year. But in terms of like bringing the ball from the back, whereas like Konate, for example, is more likely to just play that, you know, ball on the ground that Matip was trying yesterday and it just was not connecting. So let me ask you this then, Bickler, because a lot of what happens on the weekend is going to rely on the Benfica game. How confident should we be about this round? Because it is still only a two-game lead, and you never know. Because we had the same thing with Milan, and I'm always afraid when this team goes in a game a little confident, it can backfire. If the intensity is not there, it can backfire. So what kind of a lineup do you expect which will shape the weekend coming up? I honestly don't expect that many changes just because that's kind of how Klopp tends to roll. He doesn't seem to do a whole lot uh, all at once in terms of like wholesale changes, unless it's very early in the cup stages. Uh, or, I mean, I guess technically he did that in the quarterfinals. But, yeah, I don't expect a whole lot of changes. Um, I do expect some rotation in the midfield. Um, I could see something like a Diaz start. I could see – Dude, I don't know, man. I feel like I think Trent's going to get a start, which sucks because I would love to be able to rotate him and have Gomez start um, just because, I mean, we didn't talk about 
the city match, what an absolute liability he was for about 70 minutes. Um, so I, I think it's going to be pretty close. I think we'll see some midfield rotation. Maybe Kanate comes in for, I, well, I do think Kanate will start here. I think Kanate starts for Montep. Um, I think the back line is going to be Robertson, Van Dyke, Kanate, Trent. Um, I do. I don't know what the rotation is going to be, but I think there is going to be some rotation in the mids up top. Um, I think up top, like Galley said, is going to determine what happens in the city match. If we see, are we going to see Diaz get a full start here? That makes sense to me. Are we going to see uh, Bobby get a start here? If he does, then we know he's probably not starting City, right? So I think that that's going to really have a whole lot to do with it. I mean, you got to basically wrestle Mo out of the starting lineup. So I think he probably starts. Um, that makes sense. But, yeah, I think uh, – ah, Megan says she could see Costas play. I'd love Costas to play. He's a banger, right? He's like an, an absolute banger of a left back. But we said that a couple, we said that last week, and he didn't start. Doesn't play him. Yeah, in an obvious start for him. So I mean, we'll we'll just have to see. We'll have to wait and see. So why yeah. do you guys think that is? Is it just more about momentum, having this team kind of like going full speeds, whereas we always kind of complain about you know lack of depth, rotation, and stuff like that? I mean, we know club does not like a lot of changes, but I mean, this does seem. Like a good opportunity to kind of get Gomez out there and Costas out there, perhaps, or is that going to be too risky, Galley? With only I think then you're making you're make you're making three changes in your back five. If you roll out Costas and Gomez and most likely Kanate, you're playing three out of five of your back five with changes, and then you rotate in the midfield, and then we bring in Diaz. You know now we're seven changes, and Klopp never does that. So. You know, I think that's why we'll see at most one of the two fullbacks rest it. Um, it does seem to me, to Megan's point too, I, I think Costas is a good shout, and that's an even better one uh, for those, you know, listening. Costas at home with a two-goal lead, that makes sense to me. But then again, so does whining about having five subs and actually using them when you get them given to you. And then we go to Portugal knowing we have the biggest game of the year, and he's bringing on James Milder in the 90th minute to pick up a, a appearance bonus, you know, and kick someone in Portugal and get booed on by the fans. It just, it's a, I, I it, it doesn't, it never makes sense, and that's why I've stopped, I've stopped trying to make logic around it. I expect Diaz to start up top, hopefully with Jota and Mo, which would lead to Bobby, Mane, and Mo on Saturday, and then in midfield. I think this could be a match where we do see – I think we might see Henderson play at the base and probably – and possibly give Fab a rest. Um, but then again, you know, we never know. Maybe it's Milner in midfield and you just go with the veteran presence and he captains the side and tries to kind of take us through. But I, I, I think Fab needs a break. And I think it's going to come down to Tiago or Hendo. One of them has to start, and I wouldn't be that surprised if the other one's not starting on Dave Jennings says he won't play both Costas and Gomez. And, I mean, that's probably a good I point. I, I think it's a good opportunity to do so, but I do not see it happening, especially like Bickler says, I expect Konade in there as well. 
Uh, so, Bickler, for this Benfica game, what kind of a game are you expecting? I mean, do you expect Benfica to kind of sit back for a little bit, absorb no. the pressure, or do they going to go all out? Because that could be kind of... I mean, once we get one goal, it feels like this thing will yeah. be over anyway. I mean, I think they know that, like... I, I think them knowing that they only have to be scored on once to be done doesn't necessarily isn't going to deter them from basically just putting the pedal to the floor. I think they're going to come out and just give it everything, like because they've got and they've got nothing, absolutely nothing to lose uh, in terms of the fact that they're in Anfield, like they're they're the heavy underdogs. Um, I think they'll come out pretty loose. I think. And I think Klopp knows that, uh, but I expect him to come out and bring the heat pretty early. Um, I'm not necessarily worried about it, though. I mean, I think we've got the quality to handle that um, in, in terms of what they do. Um, they're not – I mean, they're no, sla- no no team in this competition is a slouch at this point anyway, but, like, I thought they handled some, themselves pretty well uh, when we played them, and I expect them to be tough. I expect them to be tough, but I think that we will – I think we'll put it away. What do you think, Galia? What do you expect out of Benfica to do? Because I think that will kind of determine how the game is going to go. So uh, where I live here is a heavy, heavy Portuguese area. And there are a lot, a lot of Benfica fans where I live. What? Really? Yeah. And yeah. And we talk to them. um, I talk to them all the time. We were actually talking about it last week. That was by far the best 45 minutes that they've played all year long in that second half against us. They are, they, they were so poor against Ajax over two legs that they actually played almost 75 minutes where they had less than 20% possession against Ajax in the Netherlands. They struggle playing away from home. And I think they're going to come to Anfield. And I think we're going to score in the first 10 minutes of the game. And it's good night to light. And I mean that very seriously. They played the best half of football they played all year. They have two retreads playing at center back that couldn't cut it any longer in the Premier League. We really should have run them off the pitch. Nunez isn't a very, very talented player, but they also have three 35-year-olds in their midfield playing on that team. I mean, they're, they're littered with a veteran presence, and it helped them. They got a great run and a great draw. And I really think we should have got out of Portugal up a lot more than we were. And I think leaving there up 3-1, I think we score early, and I think they struggle with it from there. They will come out, we'll score more goals, and it'll be one of those uneventful, you know, we'll win it 3-0, 3-1 on this leg as well. And it'll go down as a whole home 6-2 tie. I feel, like this I, is a real, I feel like this is a real reading rainbow moment for the pod. We learned that like Western Massachusetts has heavy opioid use <laughs> in a lot of Portuguese fans. I was like, I mean, who knew? Wait, wait, wait. I was like, I was looking at Victor's face who was like, Portugal? Yeah. What is the reason for that? Because I'm amazed too that there's a Portuguese presence over uh, there in Massachusetts. Well, we're, we are Massachusetts. It is the third or fourth largest fishing community in all of the eastern seaboard, uh, Fall River, Massachusetts, and then the entire Cape, the entire seaboard. So they came but down. But you're, you're in Western work. Mass. What did they just like get lost in the Catskills no, and wander down? Trust me, it, Western Mass isn't as far out as you guys think it is. But if you look up Ludlow, Massachusetts, you will realize that we have actually a semi-professional team that plays at the 
uh, at Pantusco Field, which is basically a Portuguese um, soccer club within the community. It is an extremely um, Portuguese-centric community, and oh, they love Benfica. Love, love, love Benfica. Well, I am actually like really shocked to hear that. That's yeah. that's you know that's good. That will should be a trivia next time. I'll ask the Portuguese Just population. The, the morning, no, man. Ah, <laughs> uh, you always learn something on this podcast. It might be useless information like this one, but it is what it is. So, in terms of um, Darren says, I think club will change it up with about three to four changes on Wednesday, which sounds about right. Really depends. I'm almost too afraid to make w- more changes than that. Uh, what Darren is saying, just because our game only drops so much when we move so many pieces, especially with that high line we play and stuff. But man, it's a good opportunity. This is one of the probably the few opportunities we'll have to get some rotation without, you know, maybe not dire consequences. I mean, hopefully not. But so let's go with the predictions. And I want to go back to the Premier League after this. But uh, Bickler, give us a prediction for Wednesday. I'll go 2-1. And I feel like it's going to be feel kind of disjointed. Like, I feel like it's going to be kind of an ugly match. And then it'll settle out in the final, like, 15. Hmm. What do you have there, Galley? I'm going to go 3-1 again. I was going to go 4-1. I'll be the optimist. And anytime I say this, it's a heart attack game waiting to happen. So, uh, but I feel like, especially if Bickler is right, and I, I kind of can't see that where they have nothing to lose. Let's just go play our game, see what we can get out of this kind of thing. Alan Walnut says 3-1 for Liverpool as well. Um, I just feel like if they come out like that, we will punish them. We just have like, you know, whoever we have up top as the front three, I think they'll be able to like punish them if they play like an open game, which should. And then once we get one goal in, I think it, my only, I guess, fear is the Anfield being a little bit impatient or perhaps maybe expecting an easy game and getting frustrated if it's not going as easy with multiple changes we do. So that's probably like my only concern there because I can see that happening because I think most fans are going to this as. Shit, if I'm predicting 4-1, you got to figure out what else everybody else is predicting. But, um, And then let's hope we move on. And uh, who do you guys think we're going to see? Villarreal, Bayern? Is Bayern a lock? Or what do you guys have there? I mean, I wouldn't say they're a lock purely because they're behind. Are they still heavy favorites going back home? Yes, but this isn't, this isn't Red Bull Salzburg that they're playing who got a 1-0 lead at home. Villarreal um, is a solid, organized outfit. They have, you know, quality opposition. They won the Europa League last year. Uh, if one thing Unai Emery knows how to do, it's navigate a knockout competition. Um, and if they were to ever get themselves an early goal and have something to really hold on to, like a 2-0 lead, they know how to defend it. So, Bayern has been susceptible at the back all year long. They look old and leggy at times, and they have a ton of players coming off injuries. So they're going to need a good performance to to unseat them. I expect them to, but I won't be shocked if it's Villarreal. But I'll say it's Bayern that we're facing in the semifinals. 
How about you, Bikr? I mean, I kind of expect it to be either like similar to the last round where Bayern just like blows them out of the water with like a 5-1 or something like that, or similar to a game that Galley is alluding to, but I can't decide which way it would go. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's a really fascinating game because this is what Bayern does. They kind of just roll through and bang an eight in the second leg. But like Galley said, this is a manager who knows how to do these, these knockout tournaments. And if I'm Bayern... Like I kind of get the sense that Bayern is kind of walking into the nest and they just have no idea. Like this feels like a this feels like a like the trap door is gonna go out the bottom of Bayern. So I'm I'm really curious to see this because I mean it feels like Bayern's walking into impending death and doesn't know it. And I for one I'm here to see that. Um uh, Real Madrid, like they look like world beaters right now. So that's gonna be another one to be really inter- interesting to see um uh, what happens with them. Um, they look incredible right now, and I fucking hate it. How about the last one? I mean, I think Real is going to seal that deal. I just don't see Chelsea going over there. and uh, Getting out of that hole, I just don't see it happening. I think Real is uh, much better than that at home, and they'll pull it off. But uh, what do you guys make of the – Well, by the way, Megan says Villarreal also should have had like six goals. And, yeah, I mean, they could have had like a much bigger league going into this – but I almost feel like that could be better for them, really. Going back to what Galley was saying, in terms of the type of game this would end up being, I almost feel like if they had a two-goal lead or something like that, it would be a different game and they'd be a bit more confident. Whereas now they know they got to defend for life and they can, I mean, they can score. That team can counter and score. How about that last matchup? Will Atletico Madrid do something? I they almost like didn't show up much in the first game, but Hey, I mean, we just played against city. We know how effective can their press can be. And they do not let you have the ball very much. And obviously Atletico struggle with that because they don't face anything like that in La Liga. What do you expect out of that matchup? Bickler? I just want all the cards, all of them for, for both teams. All the, I don't care what happens. I just want both of them to die together on the same pitch. Um, that's what I'm here for. I'm here for just the misery and the bloodshed and the general just degeneration of the entire game into the gutter in which it belongs with both those teams. That's what I'm here for. That was Paul Bickler, gentlemen. A case study for us all. Galley, what do you have? Um, I mean, I always root for City to lose because I enjoy, you know, I enjoy Pep's misery, to be honest. I love when he squirms after matches and press conferences and talks about how he didn't get overly complicated in his own head and then spends 45 minutes explaining how he didn't overcomplicate things in his own head. Uh, But honestly here, guys, I'm rooting for them to win. I want them to win. I want them to advance because I need them to have two midweek matches of major importance and high stress and training and anxiety that they have to play along like we do because those midweek matches make the Premier League matches on the weekend that much harder to play. So I don't want City to have two weeks off midweek that we have to play matches across Europe in the semifinals. So for the first time ever, I'm going to root for them to advance on Wednesday and actually root for City to win this matchup and not get knocked out. Because I think if City gets knocked out, it almost is maybe our last opportunity to hope that maybe they don't show up for one of these Premier League matches if someone can nick a draw from them. I think it's important that they play every single match that we play the rest of the way. And I think a home and home tie with Real Madrid 
would and and matching up with Carlo Ancelotti would be something that I think would be tough for Pep. And even if Chelsea were to overturn that in Madrid, I think having to play Chelsea twice back to back midweeks would be very tough for Manchester City. And I just think that that's important for us as Liverpool supporters. So for that, I will root for them. And honestly, I think they're going to get a goal. And I don't see any way that Madrid scores two against Manchester City anyway. So, But what if City gets knocked out with like eight injuries to the starting 11, including like maybe season-ending injuries to Bernardo, Foden, Gabriel, Jesus, and Silva? Like that would be good, right? Oh, the Twitter is back. (laughs) If if you are going to give me – if you are giving me the they get eliminated and lose eight players, I will take what is behind door number B. Like just a devastating injuries, like Foden loses an entire eyebrow, and not like in a cool way where he like shaves it or anything. Like it's just gone. Oh, uh, okay. So aside from the eyebrow possible eyebrow injuries, so this is like interesting because I also was thinking while I agree that if they advance and they had those tough games, it would help, and I know it causes some fixture problems for them moving forward. What do you guys think of the psychological like psychological impact it would have on them, though? Similar to PSG, this is the biggest thing for them. And losing out in this round, I think of Madrid, couldn't that also derail that team almost as bad as an eyebrow injury, Bickler? I mean, it could, or it could piss them off. Like, I mean, you just, you never know. I mean, you know, you know that. Jesus Gabriel is going to look like he's crying for some reason. Um, and that's the only certainty though. I mean, we don't know, like, I mean, they're either, yeah, it could like cripple them from a morale standpoint and really make it hard for them to get up for matches or it could just royally piss them off and they go on a rampage. I don't, I, and I don't know how that goes. Yeah. I almost like wouldn't want to be the first team that plays them afterwards. Yeah. Uh, and, but then I almost feel like they would not have the momentum and the drive as much as we would for the title. But yeah, it's just pure skip speculation. Well, let's keep speculating then. Let's look at these fixtures that we have moving forward for both of us. A lot of similar common names in there. I think we have discussed this before. I don't know if it was on my, one of our Monday podcasts or Thursday podcasts. I still feel like we have the tougher schedule, even though they're home. United and Everton, as I mean, and that game, holy cow, by the way. Uh, I mean, they're both in shambles, but it is still United and it is still Everton, which kind of like worries me, which is the only reason I feel like we have a tougher schedule. What do you think, Bickler? I think you can get really caught up in dissecting these schedules. And I don't really think that that does a whole lot of good because I think any team can beat anybody in this league on any given day, even Manchester city, even Liverpool. I think we have the tougher schedule only because we have Spurs, which in my opinion is playing the best football of any team in the league right now, even city. Um, That is the only thing I don't want to see right now. But if I look at this in totality, I have to ask myself, what is the most consistent team? From front to back, I think we've been more consistent than City has, especially in the second half of the season. So if I'm looking at these teams and I say, you know, if we get by Spurs, I think we're in a really good spot. Who is more likely to drop points in this scenario? I think it's City. Even with their incredible depth, even with their incredible quality, I think they're more likely to drop than we are. Um, and that's just where I land. I think if you get into the individual matches, I think that's a false argument 
I think it's, I think you're, I, I just don't think that you should look at it that way. How about you, Gally? I think that we have the tougher running because I do agree with Paul. I think that Tottenham is the best team on either schedule for either of those two opponents. And I think that they're also probably playing for the most and will be pay, playing for the most, trying to finish fourth or possibly even third, depending on what Chelsea does over the next few um, matches that they have. I'm not as worried about the United and uh, I'm not really worried about the United and Everton games. I think you get up for those games. They're at home. I'm a little bit, you know, always skeptical of the way Wolves play just because they sit back. I think if you ask me who I think has the best chance of taking points off of City, I actually think Wolves because the way that they play and that they come out looking for a nil-nil draw to start and then if they nick a goal that works I think they would have a good chance and you know you never know with West Ham that West Ham could be the week before the Europa League final and they could be resting players and worrying about getting to the final of the Europa League that West Ham could be trying to nick a point to qualify for Europe next year because they're out of Europa so I, I think what happens in the next week with West Ham, do they advance? You know, do they face Bayern or do they face Barcelona in the semifinals? I think that's important. And then really, you know, City's going to have to make up that Wolves game. It might actually be the Wednesday before the, during the last week of the year, which would put a ton of pressure on them to have to play twice in 72 hours coming off of all these matches. So it's going to be really interesting and, uh, you know, I'd still say if you ask me betting who has the harder side, we have the tougher side of matches. I mean, I think we look at this and it's stressful, right? I mean, this is a full-on title race down to the final week in all likelihood. But, man, dude, I just, like, I don't know. This is also awful, like, sunshiny of me. But I I just – I think we have to enjoy this. We have to fucking enjoy this. Like – like how many times in your life do you support a team that's like that's legitimately competing for four trophies in one season? And I think like I'll go to my grave swinging on this one. I think this is the greatest like I think this is the greatest Liverpool side ever. Like even if you go all the way back to the really dominant teams in the 80s all the way back through, I think this is the greatest collection of talent. I mean, you look at it, you know, in the first decade of the Premier League, only like only one other side won the league by 90 over 92 points. And we're looking at the fact that we may lose multiple titles getting 92, 94 points, which is just unfathomable. And I think that's that's the only the only anxiety that I get from this is not losing a title. It's that this side may be the best side ever assembled for Liverpool. It may not get the credit in the core in the core run of history that it deserves because City is basically has built a colossus. In all respect to City, I'm torn on City. I love the fact that they have Rodri. I love the fact that they have Cancelo. I love the fact that they have De Bruyne and this amazing talent. But for every incredible talent they have, they have a massive dickhead on that team too. So, I mean, like, like just human beings that would never even touch our club, like for, for legitimate reasons, like we would not have that personality on our team. And I love that about us. I hate that city has that kind of good dominance and that kind of like 
presence that may overshadow us in the course of history. And if I'm honest, I wish it was a club like Newcastle, a club that had real fucking history and not a club that just got injected with a ton of cash in the last 15 years. But at the end of the day, you have to enjoy it. I mean, this is this is incredible what we're witnessing, and not only just the, the sheer talent, but the, the style of football that's being played. It's just so incredible to witness. So I, I know that there's like this overriding anxiety and emotion that we're attaching the last half of the season, and we're going to fucking blame somebody for losing a title. We're going to point the finger at we should have bought this. We should have bought that. We shouldn't have started this person. We should have started that person. Just fucking enjoy the moment, people, because this is this is a special time for this club. Man, this is kind of like shockingly positive from Bickler himself. Dave Leslie says Bickler for president. Elamona says, what is in that beer that Bickler is drinking? He's on fire tonight. I don't think that's beer. I think this idiot bought some kind of an energy drink that's just like with all those neon markings and stuff on there. And he is on fire today. But I do agree. I was watching that game and with, you know, I mean, I freaking stress in a Watford game. So, obviously, it was like a stressful game to watch. I mean, you could just not take your eyes off. And I, I think it was like 70th or 75th or something like that. That it just like I was almost like everything kind of slowed down. And I was like, God damn, man, these are some freaking good teams playing in front of us. Just ridiculous yeah. talents out there on both sides. I mean, and I do agree. Uh, as old as freaking we are, uh, we have seen the other teams. Um, so it's not like, you know, we just like started following the team five years ago and think this is the greatest thing ever. But I do agree. I think in terms of talent, this is one of the like, this is the best team that, you know, this you know club has had over the years. It's kind of hard to compare eras and stuff. I know that. But yeah, I mean, you look at that field. My brother, who I've talked about over here before, uh, is the black sheep and he actually is a United fan. And, you know, so he was able to, as a neutral, kind of watch the game. And he was like, he's like, dude, you just could not even get up to go get a beer or anything. It was just so freaking good. And I think, and I was like, yeah, man, I know I started enjoying it almost oddly the last 15, 20 minutes. It felt like where I could kind of like what Bickler is saying. I could appreciate what we were watching and what we're witnessing. And actually, we have a piece going out later this week kind of like talking about uh, by Jay, one of our new writers. And he kind of like alludes to that where, I mean, I know it's one hell of a month, ridiculous fixtures, but man, it is ultimately fun uh, to be able to, I mean, even do this and talk about it of what it could be. It could be a quadruple. It might not be, it could be nothing, but either way, the ride itself is fun. And heck, if I can enjoy it in my stressful self, if freaking Bickler can be freaking positive, we got something going over yep. here. What do you think the Portuguese people in Massachusetts would say, Gally? I think they would probably say they hope Benfica shows up on Wednesday <laughs> and they're proud of Bickler for his positive energy. It is. It's all the social media superhero that we've created out of Bickler just coming to fruition. He's just this positive guy going around fighting stupidity and overreactions across the internet. So... Hey. I'm like a social media justice warrior. You know what I mean? Yes. We've got to come up with a more catchy name than Predator, though. So uh, we'll kind of like brainstorm on that. So if you have a name for Bickler's job on social media, we got to find him a superhero name as he fights 
the characters that you see, I'm sure you guys have run into it. Our regulars probably are in our group and everything like that anyway. So, gentlemen, this time when we meet next Monday, are we in the final, Bickler? Yes. Of course you are. Damn, he's positive today. Gally, what do you have? <laughs> yep. Wow, yes. guys are confident. I go with that too because I feel like we will make more adjustments to fix what was bad. And kind of like what Sparky Parker was talking about earlier, if we play better, we can take this team. Um, we just need some better performances that we didn't get. And I think we will make the right adjustments. As Klopp says, we'll show the boys where the spaces were and all that kind of stuff. And we'll be able to break that press. Because I felt like the moment we were breaking that press, we were dangerous. Their back line is not all that. It was all over the place. So hopefully when we meet here next Monday... We'll be in the semifinals of the Champions League, in the final of the FA Cup, on our way to the quadruple, and we will have a proper superhero name for Bickler. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me. Thanks to all those for listening in. Uh, throw out that name because we don't want to call him Predator so he can go pick up his kids at school. See you guys next week. Take care, everybody. <laughs>